Well, tonight is going to be the worst night's sleep your kid gets in a long time. You remember that as a kid? Yeah, you too. Uh, remember that as a kid, just like laying there thinking, it's only 11 o'clock. When is it going? You finally, the night is almost over and your parents tell you you can come out of your room. Did your parents not lock you in your room? <laughs> no, there's just different rules on Christmas. And uh, we, you, get, you go in and you get your presents. You're super excited about it. Stockings are hung with care and filled with stuff. Um, and you're going through the presents. And there's nothing... They can take the joy of Christmas and the um, excitement of Christmas morning away so fast as a wrapped shirt box to a child. <laughs> Just you feel, you can tell when it's a shirt box. They got, they got you something from J.C. Penney. That's against the rules. And you can tell it's a, you can tell the corners and it folds and it's soft and it's malleable. Like this is a waste of my time. You can tell you can tell it's a shirt box just from the grip. And your spirit drains. And why does your spirit drain? Because your parents had the audacity to get you something you needed. You don't this isn't a time for need. There's food in my stockings, but it's never food I need. That's my oh, butterfinger. You're never like, oh, sandwich. <laughs> Yay. I'll need this later. That's why whenever, if you're a grandparent and your grandkid opens up a present and they've been coached, they've been coached by their parents in the car, you are excited about every present. You don't own anything. If there's a duplicate, this is the first time you've ever seen it. You can tell when the kid's like, oh, yeah, I needed one of these. They hate it. They hate it. They want, no, they need, we, we don't like what we need. And there's kind of, there's actually a psychology to it. Um, we don't like to need things. Because when we acknowledge we need things, we think about our own little mortality. Notice the things that bother you. They've done studies on this. The things that bother people the most are the noises people make when doing the things they need to do to stay alive. God was just behind me breathing. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, he should have stopped. Should have stopped that. You don't don't breathe in public. How rude! I can hear you chewing. Well, if I don't do that, I'll die. We we are we are grossed out or annoyed by the things that we need. We there are people. Most of us need to exercise. There are people that they actually have a name for them. Uh, who love to exercise, like want to exercise. They're called uh, psychopaths. <laughs> it's science. But 
there, there, we, we all need to. None of us want to. So like your, your needs, you like to push away and your wants, you would like to welcome with open arms. The psychology of children, same as the psychology of adults, is you don't want what you need. Not because you don't need it, but because you don't want to be reminded that you need it. It is not necessarily the most fun time. When you hand a kid, when a kid picks up a shirt box, they think, oh, it's not a toy. But in their like deep recesses of their brain, they think, oh, if I'm not clothed, I'll die. They're, they don't actually do that. That's sort of a joke. But, you know, like it's deep down our... We, we don't like to acknowledge that we need things. As you can imagine, this might get us in trouble as Christians. Especially as Christians who worship a God that gave us what we need and doesn't always give us what we want. Who are the, the main celebration we have of our God is God giving us what we need. There's a short little section of scripture in Luke. Luke 2 will be in 36 through 38. Three verses. 15 minutes per verse is really what we'll do. Um, this prophet. Named Anna, who shows up while Mary and Joseph are in the temple. Says there was also a prophet. They just they just had an encounter with Simeon, who was a prophet who spoke to Mary and told Mary, "This is the Savior of the world, um, and it's it's going to be rough," which was not necessarily the nicest thing to say, but it was true. There was, also, there was also a prophet, another prophet, not Simeon, Anna. Anna. Anna was a prophet who was in the temple. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then in verse 37 it says, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worship night and day, fasting and praying. Okay, this is an odd setup because we don't know her parents' names. Like we, we don't. When when Luke tells his audience about Asher, when Luke tells his audience about about Anna's parents, they're not aware. He's just he's solidifying her and her role by winking at another piece of Jewish literature that we don't have in our, in most of our Bibles. Um, there's this book, and um, Catholics have it in their Bible. Um, if you could buy an NRSV, with, um, it, has, it has it in their Bible. And it is, uh, there's a book called Judith. It's in um, what they call the Apocrypha. And it's a story about this woman who is really wise, respected, apparently really beautiful because it's the only book in the whole um, canon that says, like when a woman will come out and she'll say hi. And everyone was just like, wow, man, this woman's good looking. They'll go on and on about it. It's weird. And she uses her beauty and her wisdom and her 
and her brain to go into the, the, um, the enemy camp. There's a group of people who have some, these Assyrians have surrounded Jer- uh, Jerusalem. And they are, they are not letting any food in or out. So the people inside are starving and it's really upsetting and people are really scared. And the king, of, the king says, hey, all right, let's give God five days. And after five days, we'll go out and surrender. And Judith appears. It's like six chapters into the book of Judith. Judith appears um, and calls the king and says, hey, um, that's dumb. Because God can take however long he wants. But give me, give me a little bit and let's see what happens. So Judith goes out of the gates and walks down and says, I'm giving up to you guys. Um, and everyone's like, oh, she is party. That's how they talked in Assyria. She's party. Look at her. And she, she, they take her into the camp. And then she says, I would like an audience with the, the general, who the second in command to all of Assyria is there camped outside. And he shows up and, and he, is, he is smitten. They said, why, why would we kill all of these people when their women are this beautiful? They, they actually say, let's kill all the men. We'll take the women with us. When she uses her, her beauty and her insight and her, and her confidence in the Lord... To remove a man's head from his body with a sword. That's the story. It's but the the key attributes of Judith are that she was she was married and wasn't wasn't a wife long before she was widowed. And then in her widow, being a widow, she used it to serve God. And there's some little things about um, the, the text that kind of um, point to that he's, he's wanting us to see that Anna is just as concerned about the, the outcome of Jerusalem, the outcome of the Israelite people, as Judith was. He's making a connection, and you're not going to make that connection because you don't know Judith. But that's fine. You can make the connection now for ten minutes, and then you can forget it for the rest of your life. But he's just lifting up Anna and saying, she is something spectacular. She's a prophet who's been, who's been, the Greek's kind of tough, so it could either be she's been a widow for 80 years or she was a widow until she was 84. Widow for 84 years or widow until she was 84. And she never left the temple, but she prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted night and day. And then Jesus comes in with his parents as a baby. Being presented in the temple. Look what it says in verse 38. What Anna does. Coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God. Now Simeon addressed Mary. But all Anna does is address God. And then other people. Gave thanks to God. And then spoke about the child. To all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. They were looking forward to the redemption. They wanted Jerusalem to be redeemed. They needed, they were, they were needing this. Now, this was very evident to them. They, 
They wanted a Messiah who was going to redeem them from Israel. Now, you may at that point say, well, isn't the Messiah there to like forgive sins? Well, if you're if you're a first century Israel, first century Israelite, your whole existence for the past. um, Oh, my goodness. Seven hundred and twenty five years. Has been. Your whole existence has been based on your sins and the consequences your sins got into. It was because of Israel's sin that they were taken into Assyrian captivity. It was because of their sin that they were taken into Babylonian captivity. It was because of their sin that they were ruled by the Persians and the Medes and the Greeks and now the Romans. And whenever a Roman soldier walks by, they know that I need redemption from that. But the reason I'm in this situation is because we weren't faithful to God. So for an Israelite person, forgiveness of sins, redemption of Israel, that's the same thing. They needed a Messiah who was going to redeem them from their sins and the consequences of their sins. And the consequences of their sins was that they didn't have their land. At least that's how they saw it. And Anna, every time she was walking to the temple every morning. She'd walk to the temple and the guard would cross her path. She longed for the redemption of Israel. She longed for the redemption of Israel. And here's this child. And notice what it says she does. She spoke, thanked God, and spoke about the child to all who are looking forward to the redemption. We're in a season that focuses on the birth of Jesus, focuses on God becoming man, focusing focuses on Emmanuel, like Johnny spoke about so well. We're in a season That celebrates the fact that Jesus came to earth. But I would like to argue that you can't do that very well. Unless you can internalize and really grasp the need for Jesus to come. The the Israelites who were not looking for the redemption of Israel. To them, the redemption of Israel is... Okay, nothing. To them, it's, you know, yeah, it's something I need, but it's not beneficial right now. I don't know. It's, maybe you feel that way in your, in your Christian life. Sometimes just day to day, it doesn't feel like you can really find the joy that comes from the Messiah. Maybe you feel like you don't really have that in you. Anymore. Maybe you never did. To me. Getting to a place. Like Anna. Getting to a place like Anna. Is what Christmas Eve is about. It's a reminder. That we should long for the Savior. That we need a 
the Savior. She spoke about it to all who were looking forward to it. I think sometimes we treat Jesus' birth, death, or birth, life, death, resurrection, and kingship like a shirt we got at Christmas. It's something we know we need. But we're not all that excited to acknowledge it. We, have, we may have moments where we're excited about the thing God has given us, but it's hard in America to feel like you need anything. We drive by food to get to food. Our water just comes out of a faucet or a refrigerator or just open up. How many of you, your ice machine broke? Has that ever happened to you? And it just changed your life for about a week? We are very comfortable. We don't need much. And you may even say, but Benjamin, we are sinners and Jesus forgave our sins. Yeah. Yeah. When that happens, it, sometimes it doesn't even feel like something changed. I think we need a good Christmas Eve before we have a good Christmas. I think we need to get better at longing for the Savior before looking at the Savior. We need to feel the need and the desire for salvation and redemption. If Christianity is about getting it right and about having the right opinions and, or have, having the right understandings about things, then our life is just going to be chasing after things that are worthless. Our own correctness. But if we tell the truth about the gospel, we tell the truth about the Messiah, that Jesus came to conquer our Sin and the consequences of our sin. That we now are forgiven and resurrected. I saw, I saw someone earlier and I was like, hey, I hadn't seen him in a while. I said, hey, welcome back to the land of the living. I just said that because words started coming out of my mouth, my mouth and I needed to form them quickly. <laughs> Quick, you're making tones. But I got to thinking about it. This is what this place is. We're not just the land of the forgiven. We're not just the land of the people who've, who've, who read our Bible the proper way. We are the land of the living. We are the ones who when, die, when we die, we will find resurrection. We are the ones that when we go in the ground, will come out of the ground. We are the ones... Who we, Our king conquered death, took away its sting, took away its victory, and everyone has death they're staring at. Everyone knows that's coming. Sometimes when we talk about Christianity and we boil it down to it's about your sin, we can get to a place where, well, I'm pretty good. But what's going to happen at the end of your being pretty good? You die. 
And Jesus beat that too. And if we make Christianity about a religion about wants, Lord, I need, what, why is God doing this to me? I, what, I, I'm sick or I've, I've, lost, I've lost my job or I've done, like, where, what is God doing? He's busy conquering death. Like the thing we're all going to get to, the thing we're all going to be need to be redeemed from, he's going to redeem us from that. And so the question you have to ask yourself, if Anna were here today and she wanted to tell those who were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah about the Messiah that had already come, would you be the one she would tell? Have you demonstrated that? A need for the Messiah. A desire for God. I need socks. It's not something I ever buy myself. I don't like going down that aisle at Walmart. It's weird. The other side is just like, like you couldn't put that picture on the magazine at the front. Go down that aisle. You know what I'm talking about. It's gross. I don't like going down that aisle. I'm going to buy myself socks. So when Rachel occasionally buys me socks, I'm so happy. That's when we're happiest, is when our needs and our wants combine. That's health. That's a healthy way. That's emotional health. It's physical. It's, it's intellectual health. And spiritual health. To know you need. And to be glad you need. The Messiah. Anna just sees the child. And starts telling people. Who have been waiting for the child. If you haven't been waiting, what I mean is, obviously Jesus has already come. We're telling the story in the past tense. But if it's not something in you that you, that you've, that you know you just deep down need and desire. And for me, that comes down to when I die, I don't want to stay dead. And Jesus Won that victory for me. Yes, do focus on the gift God has given you. But I think you might need to take some time occasionally. And today is just as good of a time as any. To focus on the fact that you need and desire the gift. Grace is the gift of God. But it is most effective in those who have built, spent time building a need and a desire for the gift God is bringing. So it may mean you look at your own mortality a little bit. That you stare your brokenness in the face. But you aren't doing that alone. You're looking at your brokenness. You're looking at your mortality. You're looking at your need. Next to the one who can give you what you need.
Tomorrow we will celebrate as a, as a world the birth of Emmanuel, the birth of God with us, the birth of Jesus. Maybe to make that a little more meaningful, today you can spend some time reflecting on the fact that you need an Emmanuel. You need a Messiah. You need a God with us. If you want to give your life to God today, in the name of Jesus you want to be baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection, if you want to proclaim Him as Lord and Messiah, uh, you will never forget the date. Which is an awful reason to do it. I wasn't going to. And then he said it was calendar convenient. <laughs> well, you never forget the time the people in your life surrounded you and made you feel loved like only the community of Christ can. You may have just realized you need it. The great news is is that you can have it. Please come forward while we stand and sing.